This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight I'm going to tell you a story about a man. And that man's name is Henry Riggs Rathbone. Rathbone, that's a good name. It is a pretty good name. It sounds, um, I don't know, it sounds like a diehard villain or something. No, it sounds like a house in Hogwarts. What What would the attributes of a Rathbone be? No, Rathbone would be a mixture between a Ravenclaw and a Gryffindor. Courageous, smart. So if Rathbone existed... Hermione would have been a Rathbone. Yes. Sidetrack of all <laughs> fucking sidetracks. <laughs> Sorry, my geek is showing. Henry Riggs Rathbone was born in Albany, New York on July 1st, 1837. One of four children of Jared L. Rathbone, who was a prominent merchant and wealthy businessman who would later become mayor of Albany. His father, though, uh, however, died in 1845, and Henry inherited the sum of $200,000. That's which a lot of money. was a lot of money yeah. for, you know. Inflation to now, I'm gonna say like two million. That's your guess. So I can only go back to 1913 on my inflation calculator. What was that? But two hundred thousand dollars is the equivalent to five point one five million dollars. Wow! So my That's man had money. money. My man had money. Jeez. Um. So after his father died, his mother did go on to remarry a man named Ira Harris. Harris was appointed a U.S. senator for New York and also became Lincoln's Secretary of State. Harris, who was also a widower, had four children of his own, one of which was a daughter named Clara. Clara. I like that name. It's pretty. <laughs> it is a pretty name. Henry and Clara, though now brother and stepsister, were not related by blood. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you already see where I'm going with this. So, yeah, Henry and Clara, stepbrother, stepsister, though not married, not related by blood whatsoever, they developed a strong relationship that did turn romantic. So Henry studied law at Union College and briefly worked uh, at a law firm in Albany, New York, before joining the Union Army. During the war, Rathbone served as captain in the 12th Infantry Regiment, which was at both the Battle of Antietam as well as the Battle of Fredericksburg. By the end of the Civil War, he was a major. Upon his return from war, he became engaged to Clara. All right. His stepsister. But, you know, not by blood, and they were like, they were pretty grown, I think, um, by the time their parents got married. I don't think they were, like, small children. Do you think the parents, like, were gone? Like, they passed away? And now they were like not. Them? They were definitely not passed away. Mm. The, <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> each of them had a parent who had passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other ones, they just got remarried to each other. Right. You know what? Do it. Why not? I mean, it's a little weird, but not it's that not bad. It's not illegal. It's, it's not. They're not they're not related by blood at all. But our parents get it on. I really don't like you know. <laughs> at a certain yeah, I mean I you guess know? if they had like grown up in a house together, it might be different, but I think they were old enough to live separate lives before and then they just got acquainted with each other. 
I mean, I don't know. Did they sit together at Thanksgiving and Christmas? I I think they did. Henry's father died when he was like eight years old. So I do think maybe they did grow up in the same house together. Whether that makes it worse. Okay or not. This is all really sort of besides the point. Absolutely. Sorry. It's like the first sort of (laughs) speed bump in a story where you're like, "Um, I'm just going to chug along in this life and then... So while those circumstances may seem odd to us, you also have to remember that this is a time when they were both considered to be very, like, upper-class citizens, and they would have been expected to find someone of their same social class to marry. And they already knew each other, and they already liked each other. What did the society say about that, though? Because I know they were technically related. It doesn't seem that anyone gave a shit. I think that they were from families that were powerful to the point of snickering behind closed doors, but certainly not like a society column about. Yeah, like a little smirk behind a glove. Like, ooh. You know. Yeah. They're actually brother and sister. You know, they're parents. It's like drunk secrets. Like you get close, you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. on." They're like at the ball. With a red wine mouth. (laughs) Anyway. He and his fiance Clara, were well-known and moved in the upper-crust political circles of Washington, D.C., well, where they were friendly with the Lincolns. Oh, cool. Oh. Were they there that night? Don't ruin sorry. things. Sorry, I'm sorry. Stop. Anyway, so Clara was reported to be very close to Mary Todd Lincoln. In the spring of 1865, the Civil War was drawing to a close, and the Society of D.C. was in the mood to celebrate. On the evening of April 14th, 1865, the Lincolns were going to go to the theater. Uh, They had asked a few people, such as Ulysses S. Grant and Thomas Eckert and their significant others to join them, but they had either declined or canceled at the last minute. So Henry and Clara joined the president and the first lady for a show at Ford's Theater. The name of that show was... Our American Cousin. They arrived a bit late, and the show had already begun. As the presidential box filled, the performance stopped, and the crowd and all of the actors applauded, and the orchestra played Hail to the Chief. President Lincoln, just being, like, as nonchalant as he always was, just kind of, like, brushed it off and, like, sat down and wanted them to just continue with the performance. Stop, stop, go ahead, continue. President Lincoln was seated in a padded rocking chair closest to the entrance of the box while Henry Rathbone was seated farthest from the door. During the play, actor John Wilkes Booth surreptitiously entered the presidential box and shot Lincoln in the head with a 44 caliber Derringer pistol. He timed his shot with the audience's laughter to disguise the sound of the shot. Booth was a strong Confederate sympathizer and supporter of slavery and felt that Lincoln was going to destroy the South. Back to Henry and Clara, who were in the box during the assassination. Henry attempts to apprehend Booth, who sliced Rathbone's arm with a dagger from the elbow to the shoulder. He said that he'll never forget the look on John Wilkes Booth's face because it was horrifying, the amount of anger in his eyes. As Booth began to jump over the rail of the box, Rathbone held onto his coat, causing him to fall awkwardly onto the stage. Rathbone said that the president remained unchanged, except his head was slightly bent into a forward position. He rushed to the door to get help and found it barred. He said that he could hear people trying to get in from the other side. Finally, after many attempts, he was able to remove the plank of wood that was actually prying the door closed. One of the men on the other side was Dr. Charles Leal. Despite Henry Rathbone's wound, which was pretty bad, he escorted Mary Todd Lincoln across the street to the Peterson House, which is where they had taken the president because they thought that he wouldn't make it to a hospital. Once he arrived at the Peterson House, Henry passed out from blood loss. Soon after, Clara arrived and lay her fiancé's unconscious head on her lap, waiting for the surgeon, who was with Lincoln, to finally be able to attend to Henry. When they finally did examine him, it was determined that the wound was very serious, and he was actually cut to the bone and had severed an artery. Rathbone was then taken home and tended to 
while Clara remained behind with the First Lady as they sat on the death vigil, waiting for the president to die, which took nine hours. Exactly. They just let him... Uh-huh. President Abraham Lincoln died the next morning at 7.22 a.m. on April 15, 1865. But this isn't the story of the assassination. But the assassination is rather a character in the story and a pivotal and defining event in the life of Henry Riggs Rathbone. After the assassination, Rathbone's wounds healed, but his mental state continued to deteriorate. He suffered with thoughts that plagued him about why he was unable to save his friend Lincoln. But his life continued, and he married Claire in 1867, and they had three children. In 1870, Rathbone resigned from the Army. At that point, he was a colonel. Mm, good for him. But due to his instability, it was difficult for him to find employment. At this point, he was just 33 years old. Oh, wow. He became convinced that Clara was unfaithful. He was also incredibly jealous of the attention that she paid to their children. He threatened her on numerous occasions, especially when things were bad, and he suspected that she may leave him and get a divorce and take the children. So basically any time that, like, he felt like she was going to go, he, like, really ramped up, like, the threats against her to make her stay. All because he felt emasculated? Is that a word? Is that what the word, the right Yeah, I think that... Honestly, I'm going to get into a little more more, talk about what you think might be wrong with him in just a moment. He had been seen by several doctors throughout the years. One doctor described his ailment as a neuralgia of the head and face with heart palpitations and difficulty breathing. He was also said to have suffered constant fears and delusions. So to me, it sounds like he has either a schizophrenic, like either he was schizophrenic and just that event sort of pushed him over the edge. PTSD. Or he has PTSD. Like really intense yeah. PTSD. Because even though he was in the Civil War, by all accounts, he never Lincoln actually night. he never saw action. Ideally, kind of like when you read about Henry Riggs Rathbone, you find that they talk a lot about him being like a case of like undiagnosed PTSD. That, you know, he lived a pretty sheltered life. He was kind of put into, like, a cushy officer's role. He married someone that he loved. He's had a family. He was in the Army during the Civil War, but was not on the front lines, even though he was at a lot of major battles. But he was not actually in combat. Yeah, but he was also positioned in a very hierarchy. Like, it's... Yeah, so, so to me, it sounds like... PTSD, panic attacks, mm-hmm. um, just this constant fear of loss. And which means that, it, which explains the whole fear of, of her leaving him. Yeah. But it was also like... It, and not only fear of loss, but fear of loss that's his fault. Yeah. Because he consistently, his whole life, said that he felt like it was his fault that Lincoln died. I mean, there's no way it was yeah. his fault. But, you know, you can never understand what someone's survivor's guilt and the, you know, a real trauma like watching a friend be shot in the head and then having your hands on the person who did it and having their coat slip through your fingers as the blood is running out of your body from an artery, uh, an arterial cut. Like, no, I I can't. It is. I have no idea what I would do. So next level intense. I have no idea how I would be after that. Exactly. And also you said that he would be jealous for the attention that Clara would would have on their children. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, I think that shows him that he needs the attention and wants the attention and kind of needs the attention that she's giving to something else. Yeah, I think that, like, part of the thing was that he's like a sponge. Yeah. That, like, you can give and give and give, but it'll never be enough. It'll just keep filling up. So that's sort of his mental state going into the next little piece. So in 1882, President Chester Arthur, I actually had to look that up because I was like, was there really a... Chester Arthur? 
really a President Chester Arthur? I know President Arthur. I didn't know his first name was Chester. Yeah, Chester A. Arthur, the 21st United States president. Yeah, it's 21st. <laughs> That's not an important number or anything. Whatever. Anyway, so in 1882, President Chester Arthur appointed Rathbone to be the U.S. consul to be stationed in Hanover, Germany. Consuls like consulate, like mm-hmm. diplomat type deal. Nice. But once in Germany, things only got worse. On December 23rd, 1883, in a fit of full madness, he attacked his family. He grabbed his revolver and his knife and went for the children's bedroom. But Claire was able to distract him and got him to follow her into their bedroom and close the door. Inside their bedroom, he stabbed and shot Clara until she died. Then he turned the violence on himself. He stabbed himself five times in the chest in an attempt to commit suicide. The news spread quickly about the horrific scene that had taken place in Germany. Many believed that he had never recovered from that night at Ford's Theater, that the scene had always haunted his mind. So there is that that case that, you know, perhaps, you know, this image and this event haunted him his whole life. But I will say a couple of things, just being the true crime lover that I am, that make me a little suspicious of him are that he stabbed himself five times in the chest, but then told authorities that there was an intruder in the house that had committed the crimes. Delusion. Or- I have trouble believing one or the other. Like, was did he actually have a delusion that there was someone in the house? Or is he making it up? Or... Is he just a jealous prick, piece of shit abuser who finally killed his wife and then stabbed himself in the chest to try to kill himself? But then when he didn't die, found, well, you know, it's pretty convenient that I've been stabbed in the chest. I could just say someone else did it. It seems, I don't know, like I'm really torn on how to feel about him. There is definitely 50% of me that feels very bad for what he went through. Do you think that it was also a false on how... um it's said that he went after his children first because at that point I don't because the children would, the children know because she yeah put them into their bedroom and oh, yeah. lured him away she literally sacrificed herself for her children yeah. oh, absolutely she 100% when she went into that room knew that he was going to kill her mm-hmm. so that just makes me think about what his first motive was kill the children kill his wife kill himself I think he was going to do like a full family annihilation mm-hmm. but I think once he killed her he like the lid was flipped, and he just went for himself. But, I mean, he totally Elliot, Elliot Smithed himself. He, like, stabbed himself a ton of times in the chest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elliot Smith didn't live, but, yeah. I do think it's interesting that even <clears throat> though he was considered, so, he was charged with murder, but declared insane by the doctors. Uh-huh. I do think that it's interesting that even though he was so insane at the time, he did manage to come up with that story about the intruders. Mm-hmm. Or was he just so ill that he actually thought that he saw these other people commit the acts. He was convicted and committed to an asylum for the criminally insane. The children were sent to live with their uncle in the United States. Uh, Rathbone spent the rest of his days in the asylum, some 28 years. He died on August 14, 1911, after which he was buried next to his wife in the city cemetery in Hanover, Germany. After years of no visitors to the graves, the cemetery management had the remains exhumed and disposed of. So after all that... You can sit next to the president when he's assassinated and end up essentially garbage. I just, I hate that he was buried next door. I know. I, don't I was like, like that. fuck you. No way, man. If you're going to exhume anyone, exhume him, leave her, leave her at peace, whatever. But get the, get the fuck out of there. I know. Throw him in the river. It made me feel very catacombsy. Yeah. I just, 
So, after all that and 28 years in an insane asylum. Oh, we're going to bury him next to his wife. Why? That is the story of Henry Riggs Brathbone and how he went all shining on his family. But I have one more little piece that I want to tell you. Sure. It's sort of it's sort of a sidetrack, but I can't not tell the story. So, Clara. Mm-hmm. The dress that she had on the night at the theater had her husband's blood on it, and it also had the blood of Abraham Lincoln. When she got home, she didn't dispose of the dress after that night, and she was actually photographed in that bloody dress later, and it's a pretty well-known historical photograph. So when she took the the dress home after the, the photography session, she put it in her closet, and she kind of put it to the back and didn't really think much about it. She said that over the course of time that she would hear laughter coming from inside the closet, And the laughter that she heard was the laughter of Abraham Lincoln. And over the years, it freaked her out so much that she just bricked up the whole closet. Left the dress inside, bricked in the wall. Okay. It freaked her out so much. I'm like, well, get rid of the dress. But she didn't. I don't understand why she wouldn't. After all these horrible things happened, her children in that house many, many years later, people who've come and gone in the house say that in that room they have these ghost experiences of Abraham Lincoln. From the blood on the dress. And their one son, who was named after his father, Henry Riggs Rathbone Jr., eventually he decided that that was the source of the curse on their family. So he had the wall broken open, had the dress removed and destroyed to, like, kind of clear the curse of the Rathbone like, family. Was like being an adult? Yeah. Did that? So he went back to his, like, childhood home? I think that it was still in their family, I think that, like, just because they were stationed in Germany that they didn't necessarily lose their home. Oh, yeah, they had money, so. Yeah, they were, like, wealthy folk. But, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't leave out the dress. No, honestly, what a waste of a closet. I know. I'm like, I'm sorry. They're so rich, they brick up closets. I was like, you can't bear it in the floor like a normal person? Just burn it. (laughs) Put it in the fucking fireplace. she wanted to keep it. She could have just, like, a floorboard. You can want to keep it, but if somebody's laughing around it, it, I'm done with it. Done with it. But who knows? Maybe it was just her. I know. You know, like maybe she, maybe that entire family has something going on. Maybe she experienced some sort of PTSD from that night. Oh, I'm sure. She was hearing all these things. You don't really know. Yeah. But if she was talking about it. In the blood of her husband and a dead president. It's a lot of. Makes me think Jackie O. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's somewhere lurking around. So that is the story of Henry Riggs Rathbone and the bloody Lincoln assassination dress. Just another notorious narrative. Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.